Greetings, greetings, and welcome to the live Verbally Effective podcast right here at the historic Cossett Library in downtown Memphis. I am your host, your double E, Ina Esco. And if you don't know, Verbally Effective intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis flair. And I have my second live guest over here for this podcast series with me today. And she is an alum of Verbally Effective Podcast. I am talking about tech founder of Udall and also former news anchor, Kanji Anthony. Welcome, lady. You have been doing your thing for years. I mean, you have real following. And so it's just really nice to just be part of, of your, your world. Thank you, well, thank you. And you know, we have been seeing you on TV for so many years here in Memphis. And it's amazing to know that you have taken on a new endeavor with a whole tech company disrupting the industry. So what happened? Um, you left news and then developed your company or was it while you were at the news station? Okay, so while, when, when the pandemic started, um, you know, it's great because when you're in news, you help people with, put people information out so that they can make better decisions in the world, right? But then I was thinking, how could I really, really impact people in their homes, in their lives, really helping them during this pandemic? And so that's when I just said, you know, what what do I do? I love social media. So I, and you're great at social media. I just love talking to people. I love yes. people. I really love people. You have a great connection with people. I just think I real I love people because I think they're funny. You know, you don't know what they're gonna do. <laughs> I'm that girl who's scrolling through, you know, TikTok yes. and yeah. But um, just me too, kind of. You know, just seeing what people are gonna do with whatever their lives and information. And so I said, you know what? If we if I was to help people, I could post what we call shelfies, pictures of uh, products and stocks so that they could find, you know, Lysol, toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And it ended up where it just kind of caught fire. So yes. there were a lot of people uh, who joined and, you know, it got past 1,000. Then I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then it got to 10,000. And then I was like, I need help because, you know, you're, anyway, my sisters, I call them, mm -hmm. and my, my biological sisters, and I said, can you help me manage this? So... It ended up growing, and then when the panic buying settled down, we grew by another 9,000 locals um, just by word of mouth. And so we realized that we were solving a problem. And that problem is that when you are looking for um, products in your community, um, it's, it's, it's hard to locate where they're in stock. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just feel like the, the pandemic made it top of mind for all of us. We didn't notice the breaks in supply chains, we just thought, oh, it's not at my store right now. But right. we didn't know that someone right down the street might know where it is located. So we, we were connecting communities and bringing people together. And so now we, we've become friends like in this community. So we um, actually then uh, built an in-time, real-time um, in-stock search engine. And so that's the technology. And so that supports the community of people who are just helping each other live their lives better. Because uh, you don't want to spend your time driving all over the place, searching a bunch of websites when you could just in one click 
find what you need in your community. We are a world that loves convenience. <laughs> yes. and, and you really can see that through the data with Udall. Yeah. So we naturally, um, you know, it was kind of the same as what happened with the um, with that Facebook group. Uh, it's expanded outside of Memphis. You know, Nashville is city number two, you know, as far as usage. Then there's Atlanta, Chicago, Little Rock. And so people are starting to use this by, you know, you put in the product name and you put in the zip code where you're looking for it and then you can find what's in stock. Mm -hmm. And so these cities are starting to find it. And the cool thing is we had, uh, we developed a partnership with the University of Memphis and their senior students um, are building, uh, they built the start of an add-on for small businesses to be able to be found. Mm. So we're going to be re releasing that at the end of this year before Christmas so that uh, Shopify customers can be found in our search engine. And That's amazing. Yeah. And, yeah, and, so and to exciting. connect with U of M as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And we just did something with the Memphis Shelby County Schools. Um, one of their teachers, uh, a marketing teacher, um, is what you call an extern. And she um, put together some marketing campaigns for us. That's great. So we're, we're, we're working with the schools and, you know, I mean, we've, it's about partnership. It's about lifting the tech industry in Memphis. Yes. And you're working with small businesses as well. Right. Cause we have quite a, quite a, quite a bit of small businesses here. Yes. So. People getting their hustle on, you know? Okay. Memphis <laughs> is a grit and grind it is city. It's a grit and grind city. Yes. And, and that's the thing is we support small businesses because they were slipping into everybody's DMs. You know, what, what was happening <laughs> is you had these, um, you know, people in their communities looking for these products. And then what happened was the small businesses started to uh, say, hey, I have what you're looking for. Mm. Here it is. And so then we realized that we had created an ecosystem where small businesses and, and locals could help each other. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're helping the small businesses get their products and services discovered. And then we're helping people who need products that they can't find immediately. Yes. Yeah. And I hear you're a big disruptor. Um, <laughs> the Amazons of the world are looking at you guys like, wait a minute, what is this Yoodle doing? Well, I'll say that we are the gap between Amazon and your home because there's okay. this lag. You know, there are things you can't wait for Amazon to deliver. Mm -hmm. And so that is what we do. We, we help you find what you need near you. Yeah. yeah. And I know they don't like that. Um, well, well, when, as we grow, mm -hmm. they're going to see, they're going to learn. No, but in the last, no, no. but um, I am not against uh, being acquired, okay. <laughs> you know, because, you know, in essence, I, I would really love to see, um, you know, the tech industry in Memphis really take hold and for this to mm -hmm. be, you know, to continue to scale nationwide. That is our goal. What does the tech industry in Memphis look like right now? Is, is it a very small percentage in tech or we just need more people participating and grabbing on to it? So it's it's interesting because there is there is a hold on technology now that is starting to grip Memphis. I think that, you know, when you saw Code Crew mm -hmm. uh, come up, um, you know, that is where it's a nonprofit that teaches coding to our young people, mm -hmm. which is, I just think it's the best thing yes. th for this town. And so um, you saw that happening and slowly but surely um, it got to a point where Epicenter Memphis, which is their, they, they're a hub for um, uh, entrepreneurs. And um, 
they were able to recruit Alchemist Accelerator. That is an international um, accelerator for tech, tech companies. So for, they're in Munich, Silicon Valley, and Memphis, wow. right? So they just arrived. And so now um, what they're doing is um, making this a destination for people who want to um, build tech companies. So okay. not only are they helping um, local tech founders to make their uh, technology world-class, they're also um, giving special breaks to people who come here to take part in the accelerator. Great. So it, it makes us a destination. You know, you look at cities like um, Austin, Texas, mm -hmm. that, you know, started to kind of uh, have a foothold on technology yes. outside of Silicon Valley. And so it would be incredible for Memphis to be that next place because we have logistics with FedEx. Mm -hmm. um, we have medical with St. Jude. And so we're, we're poised to be um, that place. Mm -hmm. uh, I just believe that all of the factors are here. And, you know, you look at some of the challenges we have. Um, I, I think of when Bill Gates went into India and it, it was, you know, it, there were uh, communities that had challenges with, you know, income and was able to train the community there. And you look now and technology in India is thriving. It's thriving. It's part of the culture. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at some of the answers that we need in Memphis, when people are saying, oh, you know, I'm so worried about crime. Well, if you can catch a child before, well before third grade. Yes. Because that's when they start marking the numbers for how many uh, prison cells they'll need. Mm. So if, if we ca caught kids before third grade and taught them that how to start coding mm -hmm. in Memphis this this could be one you know that answer yeah I, I truly believe that and that's why I, I just really believe in code crew so so greatly I know when you probably go and talk with the kids in the uh, Memphis Shelby County school system you're a big proponent for all things tech all things coding how do the kids respond uh, well, okay, so I, I know every time I've gone into a class, you know, you get a lot of, um, you know, people wanting to do sports. Mm -hmm. And I understand that because, you know, this is, you look at all the, you know, the talent that's here, right? You know, you think of singing because <laughs> there's something the in the water. Yeah. There is something in the water here. Um, but, uh, you know, what I, what I tend to do is when I'm in those moments, I say, if your ankle broke and you couldn't be a basketball player uh you know what is something else you would do mm -hmm. so you know i just think that what's interesting about technology is that there are, are so many different things that you can do with it you don't have to be the coder mm -hmm. um and i learned that you know when when someone i was on a um a zoom i'm part of this fellowship called digital undivided where 15 black and latina females from around the nation um, where their companies were chosen to be part of this incubator to help us uh, get to a million dollars in either fundraising or income. You're seeing overall around the nation, there is a new um, vibrancy when it comes to, you know, people of color, minorities um, seeking out technology as mm -hmm. a way to, you know, uh, do business. Yeah. And so... Um, 
I was on one of those calls and they were telling me, you know, they were like, you're a technologist. I was like, I'm a what? You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm used to being a journalist, but they, they, they pointed out that while I, be, I started out as a user, so I, mm-hmm. I love the use of social media, for example, mm-hmm. um, uh, Yelp, um, years, in 2016, I became what's called an acronym, where, where they pick 10 people in the world to come to their headquarters, meet the founders, and then I consulted with them for wow. a year. I know, it was, it was it's just they, they pick people who they like, how they're interacting with their technology. Mm-hmm. So even back then, I knew that technology was big for me. I just love it. And so you can be a technologist without knowing how to code. If you're the person who understands the mechanisms of how... Um, how a technology works, uh, and then you go into that field, um, you are a technologist. So just like if you have music, there are the people who sing, there are the people who play the music, um, there are the people who have to do the business. And so there are so many components to technology. Um, So anyone in the school system, um, as a young person, there are you can find something to do in this field. Yes. And so, I mean, the, the sky is the limit. And I just believe that if you put technology into a child's mind, um, that's something you, you, you never lose. If you break yeah. your ankle, you can still be in technology. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's always a way um, with this type of industry. And it would be great um, to see it continue to thrive as Epicenter is working to do. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're glad that we have people like you, Kanji, that are really trying to stimulate this community with technology. Um, I was looking at some stats, and it said about 3% of African American are participating in the tech industry. Huge underrepresentation. So how does it feel to be a black woman in the tech industry, and does it come with any challenges? Um, okay, so <laughs> interesting you say this. There is a, a, a saying that um, uh, black tech founders are um, over-mentored and underfunded. Mm. So what happens is, for example, with Util, um, in order to make it what we know it is, um, it, it, it costs $2 million right, to do that. And so knowing that we get such a small percentage of, um, of investments... Uh, it's your your what's called bootstrapping. Mm-hmm. So so we're while we've raised um, about we what we've raised probably like a quarter of a million dollars. Um, but when it come when you think of developers, they make one hundred and fifty bucks uh, an hour. One hundred and fifty bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the common wow rate, you know. And that's what I'm saying. Imagine if our kids were going into this field mm-hmm. and you know that's that's the kind if you don't know um technology at this point w- look at uh, artificial intelligence we're yes. in trouble so um yes. so i just feel that um we have to we have to get into technology mm-hmm. and so we do need um more investment um as a community in this space, mm-hmm. and I just hope that um, it will continue to grow um, in, in an African American uh, dominant city. Yes, yeah. as an entrepreneur, you're on the hunt for these investors to invest in your company. And when you go on a usual pitch, is it always smooth, girl? <laughs> oh my gosh! I found out what is called. There's a part of your body called the vega nerve. I'm like, because okay, so I'm used to 
doing the news and talking about you, you, you know, or you, or you, or you, yes. or you, Fabian. Um, <laughs> he's like, oh, no, she did not say my name. No, but, um, Boom. no, but, uh, so I'm used to talking about other people. And um, so going into these pitches and talking about what I'm doing yes. has been completely foreign to me. Yes. You know, because for 30 years, you're, you're telling everybody what's happening in the world. And then mm-hmm. this, now I'm talking about what I'm doing. So it made me nervous. And I, I was not used to this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, why is my mouth dry? I'm like, what, <laughs> what is happening? It's a I'm change. like, why is, you know, and I'm like, uh, so I found out when you feel that heightened sense of, um, you know, nervousness that the vega nerve goes into, you know, whatever makes your mouth dry. Mm. It makes your, you know, your voice change, your pitch can go up. And so I, I learned how to control it by looking at what it does and like pretty much talking to my vega nerve and saying like, okay, not tonight, not tonight, say in, you know, yeah. So, (laughs) so no, it's some, I, I, I noticed that Things kind of, you know, didn't run as smoothly as, you know, when I planned uh, newscasts. Mm -hmm. But what I do know is that I thought back the first time I went live on the news, um, my hands were shaking and Mm. I almost couldn't read my script. And so I just said, you know what, I, you know, I just remember I used to go in and I wasn't even, I wouldn't even think twice about going live on the Mm -hmm. air. Meaning on the, the news, right? It's no big deal, right? You just go Ooh. and you just start. <laughs> so I, you know, that is why I think that I think back on what it was that made me nervous then. And I'm like, you know what? This is just, you're relearning. It's just a different way. Yes. Um, but it's still, um, it's just about time. It's about uh, repetition. Yeah. And it so is. there is this, um, uh, it's called uh, Backable. There's a book. Uh, called backable, uh, when people are um, looking for people to back them. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. It could be politics. It could be um, a, a tech company. And if this book tells you uh, what you need to know about being backable and, and how, what to say. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the, those books that, for me, was able to kind of teach me some of the things that you need to know when you are presenting yourself and, yeah. and getting people to understand what you're doing and showing them your passion. Yeah. So that was, you know, I, I just um, tried to educate myself on how to maneuver this strange tech world. Yes. And, yeah. and you know, you're transitioning from being a journalist to a technologist. Right. And, you know, that that's quite the undertaking. Um, even for me, transitioning from working in corporate into full multimedia, I've had to pitch companies. And, and I... The vega nerve, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes. the more you do it, the better the pitch right. becomes, right? Mm-hmm. The more sales you get. Yes. And in the book, uh, they say that you should practice 50 times. That's about right. Pitch. But that's a lot. 50. 50 times. And I'm like, okay. So when you're doing a tech pitch, there is the, um, you have your, you know, the elevator pitch, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's one that's 30 seconds. There's one that's 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then you have a five minute and then you have a 10 minute. Mm. And so each one of them, you have to touch on very specific points. Um, and like one of the tips is to get, um, answer the naysayer questions before they can even get stuck on them. Yeah. So if people would say, okay, well, why not Amazon? You know, why are you doing this? Well, you know, why not Amazon? And, um, and that's, you know, so 
if I'm going into a pitch, I would say, Amazon, people can't wait for Amazon to deliver. So mm -hmm. once I've said that, they're not stuck on the problem they have with what I'm doing. Gotcha. So then they can move forward and hear what I'm saying. Because yeah. if they don't understand, if they're, if they have a nagging uh, point of view about what they're hearing, you dispel it. Yeah. So that they can open themselves up to everything. Psychology. It, it, yeah. <laughs> and it learned psychology. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Well, it seems that business is going well. Yes. Utile. Yes. And it's only going to get better. Now, um, I do want to hit on your transition from being a journalist to a technologist again. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do you feel more free now? Do you feel more free as in there are no boundaries there? You know, I know when you work in news, there are boundaries going on. So do you feel in this journey that you're more free now as a technologist? You know what is so strange about um, the, the ch okay, there was a framework that um, I knew I was going in for the day, I knew what time I was live. I knew everything I needed to do. I had to wake up. I'd, I'd read all the publications. I, I had a, an order to what I was doing. The difference, that is very, it's constraining, you know, because you have to be there. You have mm -hmm. to be there live in person. Mm -hmm. um, while there is a freedom here, you also have to shut out the white noise mm -hmm. because there are some things that you can waste your time on. And if you waste too much of your time, you're you're then you've lost mm -hmm. so it's having there's almost too much freedom and mm -hmm. you have to learn how to maximize every minute when you are when it's a startup yeah. because you don't have time to fail mm -hmm. so you have to you have every moment is a winning moment mm -hmm. so there is kind of like a um it, it's a constricting in a sense in that manner because yes. you have to narrow it down um, and then it's more time consuming because you, yeah. you wake up at four in the morning or I will and I'll be like oh I have an idea <laughs> and yes. I'm like what am I doing um, but you know I, the solutions usually come when everybody else is sleeping and your phone's not ringing off the hook yes because you have been busy Kanji. girl <laughs> yeah, we, oh my goodness I can feel my phone buzzing on my hip right now it's you know it's just yeah there is the uh, refining of the technology um, because, you know, you're always refining. Um, you know, right now, I want our search to have uh, the natural language and also um, incorporate artificial intelligence. So it's like your your uh, technology changes mm -hmm. um, every single, <laughs> every minute. And so, yes, so you're, you're always working. So I have to turn it off. I have yeah. to force myself not to uh, work every second of the day. Yes, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And, you know, you have... A pretty big social media following and they have been following you throughout your journey with journalism now into the tech industry how are your followers responding to the change I don't think um, I think they're just kind of like what are you doing come back <laughs> like I mean I just like I just get messages inboxes like I miss you on the news <laughs> yeah. um, I love broadcasting I love broadcasting but at the same time um, th this is I'm, I'm allow, allowing myself to kind of use every corner of my brain. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I, I always say, I follow the mantra, I was telling you, ¿Por qué no los dos? You know, why not? Los dos? ¿Por qué no los dos? ¿Por qué no los dos? <laughs> so, you know, for example, um, 
News Nation called, right? And so because I'm doing a, um, you know, technology, they needed someone who understands consumer technology. So I did, you know, a little hit there. So mm -hmm. I'm not, I, I, I lo I'll always love broadcasting. It's, you know, it's like my first love. I did it in high school. I was yes. a high school host. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's in your blood. I guess so, yeah. And your followers are just going to have to get with it. Well, I just think that it can be both, all, you know. Yeah. You can, and but, you know, I think that the time has changed where people used to force you to be in a box and, like, they only want to see one part of you. Mm -hmm. Now everybody's showing everything, and your weaknesses are, are strengths when it comes to uh, building community. Mm -hmm. um, when you... So that, that is the one thing. That's what makes us very unique. That's what makes our technology unique is because it's um, based on community building. Mm -hmm. um, it's about using collective knowledge from the whole community to make the community better, right? Yes. And so um, you, when you're connecting with people, life is not perfect. And mm -hmm. so if they're just seeing this, perf like, this perfect picture that you're putting up, it's not real. Yeah. There's nothing real about it. So um, that is one thing that I don't know if people understand about social media is that people want to see, you know. The real. The real you. They, they don't yeah. want this plastered fake, you know, nonsense. That's true. That's true. It, it seems like engagement goes up when they see the real <laughs> you. Actually, that's kind of true. Oh, that's my mom. So I take care of my mom, right? Mm -hmm. Lady Doris. She's, uh, she's, that's why my phone's buzzing. But um, mom. I, call, yeah, I call her Lady Doris. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I just think that you, the flaws actually, when, when I do share, you know, a hiccup, that actually tends to get um, more, um, more attention. And I think it's because people like to let people know that they're there. Yeah. You know, I don't think anybody likes to see anybody going through a tough time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know. Yeah, it's just it's interest it's just an interesting thing. Yes. But then when you're like fly and yes. you know they want to see that too. <laughs> oh, know? they love they that. Love they love that. Flossing <laughs> and fly. They want to get all of your business. <laughs> yeah. They want to get all up in there. <laughs> now, you just mentioned your mom. She just yes. buzzed you. How's your mom doing? How uh, are you what how is your relationship with your mother right now? She is just well, she, you know, it's really hard cuz she uh, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, I've never shared that, <laughs> you know, uh, like, you know, with that, you know, outside of my family, you know, just, you know, um, but she is, and then it's so, you know, this is a woman who like really sharp, you know, mm -hmm. like just high powered in, in the sense of she always made sure we were involved in like in sports, you know, took me to violin lessons. I had art classes mm -hmm. after school. Um, swimming, you know, because, you know, she didn't swim till she was an adult. So she was like, you guys are going to learn how to swim. <laughs> and so, you know, this is a person who, I mean, just always had it together. She is yeah. so, um, she's so amazing. And so it's very hard to see where, mm -hmm. you know, she might be like, is this lunch or dinner? You know, and I'm like, wow. wow. Yeah. So it's, it's been, um, you know, she is my priority. So, mm -hmm. 
my sister is arriving in town right now, so I really? know. She, yeah, that's why she's she's okay. buzzing me to say she's here. Okay, you know, great. so I knew she landed, and so I know she's okay because my okay. sister's there with her. But um, it's it's all encompassing, and um, I I have the philosophy of it takes a village. I'm not I'm not putting her in a home. You know, mm-hmm. she's I'm going to take care of her. Yes. Um, she took care of us, and it's just you know. She's a Mississippi girl, you know, and so I just, yeah, it's just how we, how we grew up. What part of Mississippi is she from? Lorman. She went to Alcorn. She she was a majorette. Okay. Little golden girl. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. She used to twirl batons, throw them in the air. Well, that's good. You got your sister in town to kind of, you know, share, share the, the experience that you're going through now with your mom and taking care of her. Yeah. It's, I think at this point it's about. Uh, spending as much quality time mm-hmm. as possible, you know, with, you know, because she has these moments of, of straight clarity and everything's great, you know, and it's yeah. just like, you know, before, but then, you know, you don't know when it's going to turn off. And yeah. so then there's the whole maneuvering, the, um, the landscape of uh, caretaking and caregiving. It's not, that's not user friendly. Mm. You know, there's no one to tell you, okay, listen, um, your needs are going to increase, right? You're going to um, need someone to be there at different times. Yeah. And, yeah, so it, it's it's your learning as you go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to be praying for you, Thank you and your mom because Thank I you. know that's a big transition Ooh, yeah. and a big responsibility to have. Yeah. I just, I just want her, like, you know, because really my, my parents were married like 55 years, and when my father wow. passed away, she became like, like a third of the person that she was she yes. it's like her, her soul left her body you know yes. and so um i just want to protect her the way he did and, yeah. and just make her as happy as she can without him being on this earth gotcha. um and it, so there's this beauty in being a, a, a person who saw a love story in real time black love you know mm-hmm. to see these two this this beautiful black couple they they met in chicago at jet magazine and (laughs) yeah and they they had four girls and my dad was a hard worker and i i just think that that's part of the triggering thing that i think is part of the reason why i started this tech company Mm -hmm. um was seeing him get up at three in the morning every day and come home at 8 p.m and um you know for him in his industry, if you know, as he was in food and beverage, and if a part was not available, um, the whole operation would would stop, shut down. And so when the pandemic hit, and I saw this was happening in people's homes, and they these you saw these mothers and fathers running around trying to protect their kids, yes. and it was literally survival. And mm-hmm. so I just I started thinking about wow, all that time, daddy was was looking for parts to finish the repairs and um he could have been home right mm-hmm. and so then i'm imagining what could we do to make it easier so that you know a mom is not driving all over the place to keep her home running safe and smoothly so that we can reduce that time so that she could have uh that more moments that of living with her kids instead yes. of hunting for an out of stock product. Yeah. So um, it, this there's a real reason um, why we did this. So I'm doing this with my two sisters, and you know we had that discussion. We were like, this was what Daddy would go through every day at mm-hmm. 
you know, when he was running his family business, our family wow. business. And the two of them worked at my dad's, uh, our family business, one for 27 years and the other for 20. Oh, wow. Yeah, they worked side by side. No, they looked at each other. I'm like, you still like each other? <laughs> like, So they have experience in this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So one sister um, de- dealt with uh, logistics and inventory mm-hmm. uh, for, so, so they would repair um, you know, commercial kitchens. So they had um, technicians who would go out and fix them. So it would be like hospitals, hotels, mm-hmm. uh, big restaurants, schools. You know, if you have an industrial kitchen, my dad had uh, people who would go and uh, repair them. Okay. And he, he was like a genius at that. That was like, he, he could take something, like my mom said, when, when he was starting his business, he would bring parts, things home and open the whole thing up and put it back together. Okay. And she is a clean person, so it was not <laughs> cute. Like, she hated that. But she was like, I got to support him. Which one are you in that situation? Are you the person that's going to build something? Are you going to, you need to clean up OCD? So here's what's interesting. I remember we we, we got a, a workout machine. It was like one of those, you know, those machines where you lift the weights and you sit on it and it's like, it's a a a circuit, a universal, whatever. (laughs) And so they, it came in and my mom and I sat there and I, we put it together Mm. and halfway through, we realized we pulled one of the cords wrong and it was midnight. And so I said, well, let's start. Let's let's go back. And my mom said that was the moment she knew I was always going to be okay. Is mm. because it was midnight, and I could have said I'm not doing this. But she yeah. said I said, well, let's let's just do it until we're it's done. And so I've always, you know, my dad would he had a workshop in the house, and he would teach me about cords and wiring and and you know ACDC like how you know how electricity goes through you know how currents work and so I've always kind of done engineering type stuff yeah and so um with him and so when it ended up you know I've always liked how things work gotcha yeah Wow. Now, (laughs) at this point, Kanji, I want to do a segment with you called If. I-F. Oh, no. I'm scared. (laughs) Don't be scared. (laughs) Don't be scared. Okay, because it's not, I'm not going to get you gotcha on here, but it's just if, you know, because we live in a world where so many things can go so many different ways. Okay. So first if, if you didn't stay in Memphis, because I know you love Memphis, what city would you be in right now? D.C. Why D.C.? Yeah, because I went to Howard. Okay, H-U-N. Howard. Yeah, Howard is, was, was great, you know, yes. and so I love Washington, D.C., so I think it would be D.C. What do you love about it? How is it different from Memphis? So what I like is, you know, it, there's, a very, there's also a tri-state area, mm-hmm. so it's Virginia. Um, well, Washington's not a state, but there's, it's a district, but it's Virginia, D.C., and um, Maryland. And so you always, you know, you, you connect to Baltimore, there's uh, the waterfront, they, there's mm. seafood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just love the fact that um, Capitol Hill is there. And, you know, I, I remember having friends who were in college who were like speech writers. Like my, wow. my friend was a speech writer for Ron Brown when he was the Secretary of State, you know. And mm. so you just got to see um, how the government functioned on a federal level. And then you just saw really uh, high-functioning people. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was really um, awesome 
to, to just see that. And then to have the whole Howard experience was, that I was know. amazing. <laughs> yeah. I already know. Yeah. Okay. So it would be DC. Yeah. If you weren't here in Memphis. Okay. Next, if, if you did not start Udall, what would you be doing after you transition from journalism? That is like, you are just going right for the, <laughs> you know what the weird thing is? I, I would still be in broadcasting and broadcasting yeah because it it this I I felt like if I didn't see this through that I would regret my life so it was like this was something I never planned or I do you understand how easy my life could be to just you know do the same thing I did for Mm -hmm. 28 years you didn't take that (laughs) route though I didn't oh you know it, it could be so easy but I just really felt like this was something that the world needed Mm-hmm. And so I, I would definitely, um, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't not do broadcasting now. I love broadcasting. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, you did pretty good on the if segment. <laughs> well, I was scared. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> but but yeah. right now I want to get into Esco's Pop Talk where we talk Ooh. about a few current events. And I really want to hit oh. on something that oh has been leading Girl. the news. Uh, uh, I would say probably worldwide. We tapping into Carly oh, Russell. Carly, why? we were we were rooting for Carly. Why we were trying Carly? to find Carly. And if uh, you don't know who Carly Russell is, look look at the uh, audience member Crystal. You shaking ooh, your head? Oh, I we're said so that the pursed lips. You know, you know, the pursed lips. Like mm. we know where uh, this is going. Okay, so if you're not familiar with Carly Russell, she is from Hoover, Alabama. And she called 911 to report that a young child was on the side of the highway. And, you know, she's given a description. I heard the 911 call yesterday. And I'm talking about really going in with this story that may now be fabricated per the facts that are coming out. So anyway, she stated that the young child was on the side of the road. She pulled over. However, while she was on the phone with 911, she probably had to go about 600 feet now a toddler can't walk that far that's like a few football fields. six football fields <laughs> the toddler is not in like a 30 second phone call is not right. gonna run six football fields right hundred yards but but you uh, know at the beginning we were believing what i was Carly fighting called. i, fa- I fought i everything? fought the internet i fought the interwebs oh, like you were i was like do not i was like you don't know what's happening yes. you know like like just give her, you know, right. let's help her. Let's find her. And so many black so, women I, that go missing. Uh, and nobody reports it. And right. it's not. So and it, I'm and sure it, you're very familiar uh, with this situation. I, so I, okay. So let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. I had a situation where I was working in a market where a 13-year-old black female went missing and none of the stations would cover it. And the mother, um, I, I, I took the girl's photo and I shared it so I started sharing it and and helping the mom mm-hmm. and so behind the scenes when no one was watching I was like on the phone with the mom sharing details trying to get this little girl and I remember being up at two in the morning talking with this mother who was just like inconsolable mm-hmm. and days went by 13 years old and the 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 child was trafficked all over that town and into another state and oh, then wow. found uh about two towns over at, um, you know, in a bar 
um, drugged. And the, and the child said, when I smelled your perfume, I knew I was okay, mom. Because somebody mm. saw, saw all those posts and saw the girl and said, this is the girl I saw on social media. And so the mom called me and said, I, I would like my child to, you know, talk, do, do a story with you. And I said, no, I'm not going to. I, I said, I, I'm not going to do this again. So when Carly was lost, I, I was, I, it was like the trauma of this young All girl who came, you know, I, I just oh, was wow. like, we've got to help her. And oh my God, Carly, why? Why? Why, Carly? Because oh. <laughs> as the days have gone by, oh Lord, Carly showed up at her mother's house unharmed. Well, we don't know. I mean, Do her shirt was ripped. He said, I he, heard she was butt naked. Like, I've heard they, so many oh, things. Okay, in the news conference, um, her shirt was ripped, is oh, what they shirt. said. They said that was a fact. Okay. They never talked about, but they said she was treated and released from the hospital. From the so hospital. when you're treated and released, um, and then she told them that there was no sexual um, assault. Right. Well, wait. And they fed wait, her crackers. Wait. The, <laughs> the wig and the Cheez-Its. That is the all. Cheez-Its. The Cheez-Its. And they painted her nails. I, I, I just, everything that. It's so I just, bizarre. Like, okay, so they get her, okay, going to the Target, okay, getting Cheez-Its and granola bars. Mm-hmm. And then she tells them that the trucker and the woman fed her Cheez-Its. And the trucker had no. an orange, orange Hair. Don't forget about the bald spot. And the bald spot. Don't forget about the bald spot. And she left her wig. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Everything you're saying, I'm literally. But in the beginning, uh, we didn't think no, it was no. It was bizarre until. The memes, have you seen? Like, I've Black seen Twitter went crazy, okay? Black Twitter was like, oh no, Carly. So yeah. are you disappointed? Oh my, well, okay. Or is this stuff we on still a, don't know? On a serious note, well, I just felt like um, from the news conference, one could um, one could gather that investigators did not believe her. Okay, and now yes. and then when Black Twitter comes for a black female, oh. you know, <laughs> there's nothing she could say there's at this point. She it's say. just no one's going to. Yeah. So I just think the, okay, the saddest part. This is where I'm really worried. No, no, seriously. Like on a serious note. When another African-American woman goes missing, what will the response be? You know, and, and so here, here is, this is, I'm putting this information out there. I hope that um, decision makers in newsrooms will listen to this one thing. Think about the metrics, okay? How many people clicked and how many people wanted more information when they thought she might be innocent. So this, um, what happens is when... Okay, news is public interest. It's information that helps people, right, to know, you know, is there a crazy person out there who is abducting women, right? Mm-hmm. So you, when information goes out, newsrooms respond to clicks because they know that you want this information to help you in your community. So I just hope they will focus on how many people clicked and shared this and that the next time this happens, they realize that this is a worthy story to cover. 
And so, you know, Beyonce's mother, Tina, Miss Tina Knowles, was, Tina was, was sharing this on the Instagram. Okay. Yes. I so, saw so many celebrities sharing. Yeah, yeah. Even activist Tamika Mallory. Yes, yes. And she had to come out yesterday oh. and apologize. And it's just so disheartening. I just, so here's the thing, right? But think about this. Um, I think all of us have had, a, have had a moment in our lives when we're living, right? And it's just like, why is this so hard? Like, why is this life so hard? You know, you're yes. just like, ah. And so I feel like there's something she was running from. Because for her to look up a one-way ticket to Nashville, right. you know, for there's something she was running from. Like, how to steal money from a register and not yes. get caught. What? what? And they okay. said she stole money from her job oh, that right. day. Uh, well, the thing is, I think when you're in these moments it's one should not hurt other people. So if, mm -hmm. if, if you're having a break, a mental break, it's, it's about getting help um, and not hurting others. And so she just did, the, she watching the movie Taken. She did Looking up, Googling the Taken. You this know. is a big lesson about your oh, phones, oh my, too. Oh, my How yes, they are definitely they going you. to track everything. Because they went in her history prior to, you know, the time that she went missing to see what was she busy at. Where was her mind? Yeah, deleting, um, deleting your last search does not delete the last it's search. It's there. It's there. Big All Brother the is watching. All the things are there. We are now like, you know, and you look like right now the federal government is has now digital money. So yes. that is, you know, people use cash, right? And it can't mm -hmm. be tracked in certain, you know, in you know, in, in commerce. But you know, will there be a point when it's all digital I and think that so. paper money is not going to be, you know, used? So it's like, you know. Yeah. That's the direction. There we go, right? Yeah, they, so the, the government wants to track a, everything. That's such a good point that you mm -hmm. made that it, it was a lesson in information and, and that it's it's there and it's always there. And yes. I just like, I'm kind of just like, I don't care. Like, I don't have anything to hide. I'm just like, I know some people feel very strong about privacy. So I think it's important to protect people if, if they feel they want to be private. They have every right to feel the need for privacy. You have mm -hmm. to protect that. But for me, I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm not searching <laughs> taken. Usually, you know what I did worry about when I was a news anchor? What? I used to worry because I would be doing a story and I knew that everybody, you know, like they could search your, your, you know, your stuff. And I would be like, oh my gosh, this is no other profession would somebody be Googling what I'm Googling right now. You know, it was just like weird things that I would have to Google you know, for my stories. And I was like, gosh, you know, I hope they realize I'm a journalist, you know, and this is a weird thing to search. Because they are tapping in. Yeah. <laughs> tapping they in. They are tapping in. Yes. Um, so I think that uh, from this Carly Russell situation, oh. more information will come out and oh. we'll understand the root of why she did what she did. Because we all want to know. Well, yeah. And and it, it, in any sense, no matter what, it there is something where she did not love herself somewhere because you know like to do that you know mm -hmm. you have to um yeah there's something there's a pain inside of you that's driving you yes so so, so there's a pain yeah there is pain somewhere and I hope that people can um that she can be forgiven but it really that, oh, it hurt it hurt so. a whole you know, race of people. <laughs> yeah. But, Kanji, repeat after me. Okay, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. 
A mine, say mine. Wait, wait, say it. Say what? Say who? Wait, 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 wait. Say it again. A mine, say mine. A mine, say mine. Have you ever heard A mine? I don't know what I am saying right now, and and that's not good. Like you shouldn't say things you don't know. I am very worried right now. It is a Memphis colloquialism. I love it. Like you know how they say mine though. Two round, three down. Yeah. I know some things. I know Maine, M A N E. So Maine. they say, hey, Maine. Oh, like, Maine. hey, hey, how yes, you doing? Like, hey. How you doing? Okay. <laughs> okay, but this particular I love segment, this. Hey, Maine, say I Maine. coined, hey, Maine, say Maine, because I always want to hear my guests say it. Ah, uh, I love say it. Say it again. So, hey, Maine, say Maine. Okay. Okay, we don't hear that much. Still a little bit too. (laughs) Oh no! But this is the moment. She's laughing. She's like, she laughing because she probably because it was so bad. She says she know how to say it. Uh, It's okay because this is a moment of transparency uh, between you and I. Amen. Say mine. Amen. Say mine. I'm gonna be in the mirror looking at myself before I go to sleep. I like trying to do this. I am. Okay, uh, so my question is, Kanji. What? (laughs) I hear you have a love for hip hop that a lot of people don't know about. I actually have a personal hip hop followed me. Okay. (laughs) Okay, it's funny, right? So no, right? So my first, you know, I knew. What's the first hip hop song? Sugar Hill Gang. I right. said hip, hip hop, hop. The hip, the hip, the hip, hip hop. And you Come don't on. stop oh, the rocket do to the bay, baby. Up jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to the beat. Now what you hear is, yeah, so, okay. So, of course, you know, that was when it went mainstream and it was in New York. Well, it just so happens that I news took me to California when, so I knew hip hop before it was misogyny. You know, okay. so I love, you know, and I think back, um, to, you know, to the days of yore when, you know, in, you know, African families would pass down stories to mm-hmm. their children. And um, so for me, I always saw that as a spoken word. And it's something that is part of my culture from, mm-hmm. you know, because I did do 23andMe. And so I know that yeah. I'm, I'm of the Huauza tribe in Nigeria. Wowza. And then there's other stuff that I did not. I, I haven't, I'm having an identity crisis. I don't, don't want to talk about it. We'll talk about that. What percentage were you the I don't Wowza want to, tribe? Uh, oh, oh gosh, I can't remember the percentage. It just okay. wasn't as much as the other stuff. Okay, this is other stuff that's <laughs> bothering like, you. It was more than I thought. Um, so a little, I'm a little, I, th- no, so my grandmother is from the Dominican Republic. So I, um, I, I always, you know, but she is African. So mm. my thing is, she was an African in the Dominican Republic. So I'm like, am I Latina? <laughs> I can see a little Latina in you, girl. She, she, but, but I'm saying she was, it was the Middle Passage because mm. our people got uh, dropped off. Christopher Columbus dropped us uh, off all over. So, wow. so I, you know, so now all this time I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm, you know, I've, been, I've embraced the Latina com- culture. But then I guess you are what the culture is. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, there's too much. This, so what, what were we talking about? <laughs> hip hop. Your love yeah, for so, hip hop. Okay, so then anyway, what happened was I ended up um, living in California for news right when, you know, like uh, it got big, you know, how they took over hip hop, mm-hmm. right? And so then I was living there and that was what was on West the radio. High. 
So, you know, that is when Snoop got real big. And then I ended up moving to North Carolina when the South kind of took mm-hmm. over hip hop. So it was like Petey Pablo, was, yeah. you know, and then I'm here, you know, and so it was just kind of like, and now the South owns hip hop. The South. So it's like, you know, I just yes. happened. So hip hop followed me. Okay. No, it sure did. Yeah. It sure did. No, I, I somehow I I have lived in every city where hip hop was like became mainstream, you know, yes. and and took over, and so it was just interesting, and so I've I've followed it. I think I need to do a documentary on it. You do. I do. Who are some of the hip hop artists that you're probably listening to now, or that you? Oh, really I like? love Glorilla. You like I mean, Glow? You yes. like Glow? I like Glow too. Let me tell you what I respect about her. So she, um, earlier on in her career, before she was, you know, Glorilla, like you know, because I know that you know she took that name on later, but she had a different sound to her voice, and mm. so I respect how she found that depth. She was singing more in the you know, top part of her body. Mm-hmm. And so she found her diaphragm and she found that voice. And so that is skill. What what okay. she's doing is not, it's not by chance. Mm-hmm. The, the sound she has, the way she projects, I, I love that she um, isn't trying, she, she is giving us the Memphis accent. She's definitely giving us that. Right, because like, and you listen to her music earlier on and she didn't have, she didn't, mm-hmm. she wasn't, you didn't hear it as much. Yeah. So what she did was she just found her real voice. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think happens is when people are being authentic to, authentic to themselves, that people feel it. You feel when it's real. Yes, you, know? you do. I, I like that because ever since she dropped FNF, she's just been... Yeah skyrocketing um and especially with the management of yo Gotti and rock nation mm-hmm. they have really just you know and you know skyrocketed. of course what i do love about it too is that um her breakout album and uh, money bag yo's breakout mm-hmm. album were recorded at my booze studio so oh. in the same in studio a mr porter both, yes both of their albums were recorded there really so, i didn't know that yeah and so like wow. you, you could go to their instagram and you'll see them in there um but it's like the the quality of the equipment like there are all these people from all over the world built mm-hmm. that studio wow and so um people come from all over the or world are you recording is it that particular yeah studio? yeah so it's it's mime records is the umbrella gotcha. but then they have um for you recording studios that is like people don't know that nuance that's mm-hmm. of course you I would know, know that, that. yes and then they have um the beetroot uh publishing and so they um you know they help, they use, okay, so what is also interesting is Gabri uh, Waddell um, is the founder of, is it, oh, sound, sound, oh my goodness, you know, Gabri Waddell. Ugh. It's it's something sound, but what he did is he created a technology in Memphis um, that helps to identify the sound of an artist's song so that the artist can get paid. So he did this uh. years ago. Um, and so Shazam is it Shazam? No, no. This is for no, specifically paid, for the artists to get paid. Gotcha. So he um, get he, their royalties, right? Gotcha. So they're not, you know. So what happened is, you know, like it, it, what he's doing is helping artists, but also now Memphis is Memphis technology is on the map, and this is kind of not people don't really pay talk about this I guy, like this. but he is literally like. He has like Sony, like all the top um, companies um, 
are using his, um, they're using his technology and it's all made in Memphis and he's wow. a Memphian and it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Memphis has a lot of really amazing stuff going on. It really does. Yes. It really does. Which leads me to Ooh, one of my last and final questions. What? You have, you have, you ask like, just really, okay, what? Why Memphis? You could have gone anywhere, Kanji. Why Memphis? I've never felt um, more myself anywhere, and, and I've lived in every, almost every, <laughs> mountains, mountain is the only time zone I've never lived in, oh. um, but I've lived in every time zone, and this, uh, there is something, it's, there's, it's, it's the rawness, you know, there's something raw about it that um, just feels so real, and, um, and then I, I think at one point, um, just makes me feel myself also because, you know, I do come from a civil rights family um, with my uh, father's father um, founding the first union um, on the island of uh, Nevis and St. Kitts. They're, they're sister islands, and um, he battled the British over um, the sugarcane uh, fields, and the workers were not being treated well. So he created a union, and um, and then on my mom's side in Mississippi, her my grandfather was um, a pastor, and he fought to educate, um, you know, black black children. Mm-hmm. So I had these these families in the 1940s. You know, these you know these my grandparents were were fighting for the same things that happened in Memphis. And so having that in my, you know, in my history, my family history, um, it was just it just feels so authentically me. And yes. I just, and I'm like, I'm here for like all the, you know, when, when people are messy, I just think it's so funny. Like, I just, I am just, I'm so entertained. I'm like, that's so Memphis. Yes. You know, but it took me a minute to understand what was happening <laughs> because yes. you have to, you have to be smart. You have to be really clever to understand Memphis. Yes. Um, and so p- there's a, there's a Memphis, the surface, and then there's like, there are so many complexities um, to people here. Um, because, you know, you've seen so many things, right, as far as, you know, there's agriculture, there's, I mean, there are just so many uh, facets to Memphis, you know, being on the water, um, just uh, slavery, how, you know, the, the dark history there. and Old a lot money of, versus new money. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pain, and then there's a lot of, like, there are people who come up. And so it's just like, there's just been so, there's so much richness and texture. And when you're driving down the street, you know, I can think of all the history everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's so much to this town. And I remember I would do stories and I would just, I, I had to learn more because I'm like, no, 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 there's more to this. Mm-hmm. There's a depth to this. So, so there's a deepness that I, I don't feel in other places. And those other places feel sterile and boring. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And okay, Memphis I mean that feels good. And then there's the food, and then there's the music, and then there's, <laughs> and there's like, your boo. Uh, yeah, my boo. Oh my, oh my yes. goodness, yes. And then um, <laughs> the traffic. This is not real traffic. This I, not, no, it's no, not. it's not real traffic. No, it's not. Okay, it's so not. I mean the cost of living. Um, just you know, you go into a store and and someone will say your name, and you know, you just. I mean, you just you become part of the neighborhoods where you live. Yeah, it's just there's so. It's just a beautiful place. 
Thank you so much, Kanji Anthony, Thank for joining you. me today for the live Verbally Effective podcast right here at the historic Cossett Library. Please tell everyone how they can continue to follow your journey. How can they get in touch with you? Okay, so um, get Util, G-E-T-Y-O-U-D-L-E, is our handle on Instagram, um, Facebook, um, yeah, so, and, and uh, TikTok and whatnot, so you can, you know, check us out on the, on social platforms, but um, I'm still kanji, just kanji, you know, just kanji. <laughs> at K-O-N-T-J-I, so, so, I see you on three, but I'd like to promote Udle. I know yeah. you do. Get Udle. Get Udle. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me on Verbally Effective Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast on all streaming platforms and at Ina Esco YouTube channel as well. I want to thank everyone who is here today that attended the live podcast for Verbally Effective at Costa Library. See you guys next time.